Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our Course in Miracles daily reading conference call. We read from the text of A Course in Miracles original edition, published by our dear friends at the Course in Miracles Society. You can access an online copy of the original edition by going to jcim.net, where if you mouse on the link at top for online edition, you'll see the link to read A Course in Miracles OE. On that same drop-down, there's an option to subscribe to have both the daily text reading and the lesson for the day sent to you from the Course in Miracles Society. My name is Lori Cameron. This call is Monday through Friday from about 9.15 to about 11 a.m. Eastern. And today we're beginning a new chapter, Chapter 4, The Root of All Evil. We'll be reading the introduction and section one, right teaching, and, or section two, I'm sorry, right teaching and right learning, the first half of that section uh, through paragraph 11 today. We're also mindful of our lesson, lesson 38. There is nothing my holiness cannot do. There is nothing my holiness cannot do. <clears throat> and by way of opening this morning, I was led pretty directly to this little quote from Moji that goes like this. Life is not my business. Life is my breath, my joy and being. When you believe you are a person, you feel like life is something you have, so you try to protect and control it like a business. When the truth is known, you gladly cease interfering, knowing and observing that life takes perfect care of life. It is a perfect spontaneity. A formless witness is filled with unimaginable joy in this perceiving. One is timelessly here as the unchanging. There's nothing my holiness cannot do. Amen. Thank you. Love that. Thank you. Yeah. Life takes care of itself, huh? I did too, Fran. Thanks. And thank you, everyone, for letting me bring these every morning. <clears throat> okay, here's our reading list. This morning we have Fran, Cassandra, Donna, and Robin Marie. We're joined in listening by Harrison and Judy. Who else has joined us that would like to say good morning or be on the reading list? Good morning, it's good Karen. Morning. Can you... Thanks, Karen. And Karen and there and Jessica's here too, and I can read also. Great, thanks, Jessica. Ida's here too, and I'm listening. Thanks. Good morning, Ida. Good morning. Anyone else? Uh, Lemoyne is here, and I can read. Oh, great. Thanks, Lemoyne. <clears throat> okay. So we begin a new chapter, Chapter 4, The Root of All Evil, with Section 1, Introduction. The Bible says that you should go with the brother twice as far as he has. It certainly does not suggest that you set him back on his journey. Devotion to a brother cannot set you back either. It can lead only to mutual progress. 
The result of genuine devotion is inspiration. The word which properly understood is the opposite of fatigue. To be fatigued is to be dispirited, but to be inspired is to be in the spirit. To be egocentric is to be dispirited, but to be capital self-centered in the right sense is to be inspired or in the soul. The truly inspired are enlightened and cannot abide in darkness. Fran. Chapter 4. The Root of All Evil. 1. Introduction. The Bible says that you should go with the brother twice as far as he asks. It certainly does not suggest that you set him back on his journey. Devotion to a brother cannot set you back either. It can lead only to mutual progress. The result of genuine devotion is inspiration, a word which properly understood is the opposite of fatigue. To be fatigued is to be dispirited, but to be inspired is to be in the spirit. To be egocentric is to be dispirited, but to be capital S self-centered in the right sense is to be inspired or in the soul. The truly inspired are enlightened and cannot abide darkness. Two, you can speak from the soul or from the ego, precisely as you choose. If you speak from the soul, you have chosen, quote, to be still and know that I am God, unquote. These words are inspired because they come from knowledge. If you speak from the ego, you are disclaiming knowledge instead of affirming it and are thus dispiriting yourself. Do not embark on foolish journeys, because they are indeed in vain. The ego may desire them, but the soul cannot embark on them, because it is a forever unwilling to depart from its foundation. Thank you, Fran. And Cassandra, if you'd like to read paragraph two and three, please. Okay. You can speak from the soul or from the ego precisely as you choose. If you speak from the soul, you have chosen to you be still and know that I am God. These words are inspired because they come from knowledge. If you speak from the ego, you are disclaiming knowledge instead of affirming it and are thus dispiriting yourself. Do not embark on foolish journeys because they are indeed in vain. The ego may desire them, but the soul cannot embark on them, because it is forever unwilling to depart from its foundation. The journey to the cross should be the last foolish journey for every mind. Do not dwell upon it, but dismiss it as accomplished. If you cannot accept it as your own last foolish journey, you are also free to join my resurrection. Human living has indeed been needlessly wasted in a repetition compulsion. It reenacts the separation, the loss of power, the foolish journey of the ego in an attempt at reparation, and finally the crucifixion of the body or death. Thank you, Cassandra. And Donna.
Um, three. Three. The journey to the cross. The journey to the cross should be the last foolish journey for every mind. Do not dwell upon it, but dismiss it as accomplished. If you can accept it as your own last foolish journey, you are also free to join my resurrection. Human living has indeed been needlessly wasted in a repetition of compulsion. It reenacts the separation, the loss of power, the foolish journey of the ego, an attempt to at reparation, and finally, the crucifixion of the body or death. Four. Repetition compulsion can be endless unless they are given up by an act of will. Do not make the pathetic human error of clinging to the old rugged cross. The only message of the crucifixion was that we can overcome the cross. Unless you do, unless you do so, you are free to crucify yourself as often as you choose. But this is not the gospel I intended to offer you. We have another journey to undertake, and if you will read these lessons carefully, they will help to prepare you to undertake it. Thank you, Donna and Robin Marie. Four, repetition compulsions can be endless unless they are given up by an act of will. Do not make the pathetic human error of, quote, clinging to the old rugged cross, unquote. The only message of the crucifixion fiction was that we can overcome the cross. Unless you do so, you are free to crucify yourself as often as you choose. But this is not the gospel I intended to offer you. We have another journey to undertake. And if you will read these lessons carefully, they will help to prepare you to undertake it. Two, right teaching and right learning. Five, we have spoken of many different human symptoms, and at this level, there is almost endless variation. There is, however, only one cause of all of them. The authority problem is, quote, the root of all evil, unquote. Money is but one of its many reflections and is a reasonably representative example of the kind of thinking which stems from it. The idea of buying and selling implies precisely the kind of exchange that the soul cannot understand at all, because its supply is always abundant and all its demands are fully met. Thank you, Robin Marie and Karen. Right teaching and right learning. Five, we have spoken of many 
different human symptoms. And at this level, there is almost endless variation. There is, however, only one cause for all of them. The authority problem is, quote, the root of all evil, unquote. Money is but one of its many reflections and is a reasonably representative example of the kind of thinking which stems from it. The idea of buying and selling implies precisely the kind of exchange that the soul cannot understand at all because its supply is always abundant and all its demands are fully met. Six, every symptom which the ego has made involves a contradiction in terms. This is because the mind is split between the ego and the soul so that whatever the ego makes is incomplete and contradictory. This untenable position is the result of the authority problem, which, because it accepts the one inconceivable thought as its premise, can only produce ideas which are inconceivable. The term, quote-unquote, profess, is used quite frequently in the Bible. To profess is to identify with an idea and offer the idea to others to be their own. The idea does not lessen. It becomes stronger. Thank you, Karen. And Jessica. Thank you, Lori. Paragraph six. Every symptom which the ego has made involves a contradiction in terms. This is because the mind is split between the ego and the soul, so that whatever the ego makes is incomplete and contradictory. This untenable position is the result of the authority problem, which, because it accepts the one inconceivable thought as its premise, can only produce ideas which are inconceivable. The term, quote, profess, is used quite frequently in the Bible. To profess is to identify with an idea and offer the idea to others to be their own. The idea does not lessen, it becomes stronger. Seven, a good teacher clarifies his own ideas and strengthens them by teaching them. Teacher and pupil are alike in the learning process. They are in the same order of learning, and unless they share their lessons, they will lack conviction. A good teacher must believe in the ideas which he professes, but he must meet another condition. He must also believe in the students to whom he offers his ideas. Many stand guard over their ideas because they want to protect their thought systems as they are. And learning means change. Change is always fearful to the separated ones because they cannot conceive of it as a change toward healing the separation. They always perceive it as a change toward further separation 
because the separation was their first experience of change. Thank you, Jessica and Lemoyne. A good teacher clarifies his own ideas and strengthens them by teaching them. Teacher and pupil are alike in the learning process. They are in the same order of learning, and unless they share their lessons, they will lack conviction. A good teacher must believe in the ideas which he professes, but he must meet another condition. He must also believe in the students to whom he offers his ideas. Many stand guard over their ideas because they want to protect their thought systems as they are, and learning means change. Change is always fearful to the separated one because they cannot conceive of it as a change toward healing the separation. They always perceive it as a change towards further separation because the separation was their first experience of change. You believe that if you allow no change to enter into your ego, your soul will find peace. This profound confusion is possible only if one maintains that the same thought system can stand on two foundations. Nothing can reach the soul from the ego, and nothing from the soul can strengthen the ego or reduce the conflict within it. The ego is a contradiction. Man's self and God's self are in opposition. They are opposed in creation, in will, and in outcome. They are fundamentally irreconcilable because the soul cannot perceive and the ego cannot know. They are therefore not in communication and can never be in communication. Nevertheless, the ego can learn because its maker can be misguided but cannot make the totally lifeless out of the life given. The soul need not be taught, the soul need not be taught, but the ego must. Thank you, Lemoyne. And would there be a new reader for eight and nine? Eight and nine? I could do that now, Lori. Oh, thanks, Jude. Eight. You believe that if you allow no change to enter into your ego, your soul will find peace. This profound confusion is only possible is possible only if one maintains that the same thought system can stand on two foundations nothing can reach the soul from the ego and nothing from the soul can strengthen the ego or reduce the conflict within it the ego is a contradiction Man's self and God's self 
are in opposition. They are opposed in creation, in will, and in outcome. They are fundamentally irreconcilable because the soul cannot perceive and the ego cannot know. They are therefore not in communication and can never be in communication. Nevertheless, the ego can learn because its maker can be misguided but cannot make the totally lifeless out of the life given. The soul need not be taught, but the ego must. The ultimate reason why learning is perceived as frightening is because learning does lead to the relinquishment, the relinquishment, not destruction, of the ego to the light of the soul. This is the change the ego must fear because it does not share my charity. My lesson was like yours, and because I learned it, I can teach it. I never attack your egos, but I do try to teach you how their thought systems arose. When I remind you of your true creation, your egos cannot but respond with fear. Thank you, Lori. Thank you, Judy. And just another new reader for 9 and 10. Okay, back to you, Fran. 9. The ultimate reason why learning is perceived as frightening is because learning does lead to the relinquishment, not destruction, of the ego to the light of the soul. This is the change the ego must fear because it does not share any charity. My lesson was like yours. And because I learned it, I can teach it. I never attack your egos, but I do try to teach you how your thought systems arose. When I remind you of your true creation, your ego cannot but respond with fear. And Teaching and learning are your greatest strengths now because you must change your mind and help others change theirs. It is pointless to pre- refuse to tolerate change because you believe you can demonstrate that by doing so. The separation has not occurred. The dreamer who doubts the reality of his dream while he is still dreaming is not really healing the level split. You have dreamed of a separated ego and you have believed in a world which rests upon it. This is very real to you. You cannot undo this by doing nothing and not changing. Thank you, Fran. And Cassandra, if you'd like to read 10 and 11, please. Yes, I can. Paragraph 10. Teaching and learning are your greatest strengths now because you must change your mind and help others change theirs. It is pointless to refuse to tolerate change because you believe that you can demonstrate that by doing so. It is pointless to refuse to tolerate change because you believe you can demonstrate that 
By doing so, the separation has not occurred. The dreamer who doubts the reality of his dream while he is still dreaming is not really healing the level split. You have dreamed of a separated ego and you have believed in a world which rests upon it. This is very real to you. You cannot undo this by doing nothing and not changing. If you are willing to renounce the role of guardians, guardians, of your thought system and th- system and open them to me. I will correct them very gently and lead you home. Every good teacher hopes to give his students so much of his own thinking that they will no longer need him. This is the one real goal of the parent, teacher, and therapist. This goal will not be achieved by those who believe that they will lose their child or pupil or patient if they succeed. It is impossible to convince the ego of this because it goes against all of its own laws. But remember that laws are set up to protect the continuity of the system in which the law makes a belief. Thank you, Cassandra. And Donna, if you'd like to complete reading today with paragraph 11, please. <clears throat> 11. If you are willing to renounce the role of guardian of your thought system and open them to me, I will correct them very gently and lead you home. Every good teacher hopes to give his student so much of his own thinking that they will one day no longer need him. This is the one real goal of the parent, teacher, and therapist. This goal will not be achieved by those who believe that they will lose their child or pupil or patient if they succeed. It is impossible to convince the ego of this because it goes against all of its own laws. But remember that laws are set up to protect the continuity of the system in which the lawmaker believes. Thank you, Donna. And thank you everyone who read this morning. Um, So just to touch a few ideas on the root of all evil from the introduction, that first paragraph. It's worthy to highlight that to be egocentric is to be dispirited. But to be capital self-centered in the right sense is to be inspired or in the soul. In the second paragraph, we're invited not to embark on foolish journeys because they are indeed in vain. The ego may desire them, but the soul cannot embark on them because it is forever unwilling to depart from its foundation. And three, the journey to the cross should be the last foolish journey for every mind. Do not dwell upon it, but dismiss it as accomplished. If you can accept it as your own last foolish journey, you are also free to join in my resurrection. 
human living has indeed been needlessly wasted in a repetition compulsion it reenacts the separation the loss of power the foolish journey of the ego in an attempt at reparation and finally the crucifixion of the body or death <clears throat> paragraph four repetition compulsions can be endless unless they are given up by an act of will the only message of the crucifixion was that we can overcome the cross and we have another journey to undertake if you will read these lessons carefully they will help to prepare you to undertake it section 2 right teaching and right learning paragraph 5 there are I'm sorry we've spoken of many different human symptoms and at this level there is almost an endless variation there is however only one cause of all of them the authority problem is the so-called root of all evil the soul cannot understand transactional thinking at all because its supply is always abundant and all its demands are fully met and six every symptom which the ego has made involves a contradiction in terms this is because the mind is split between the ego and the soul so that whatever the ego makes is incomplete and contradictory this untenable position is the result of the authority problem which because it accepts the one inconceivable thought as its premise can only produce ideas which are inconceivable in paragraph 7 many stand guard over their ideas because they want to protect their thought systems as they are and learning means change change is always fearful to the separated ones because they cannot conceive of it as a change towards healing the separation but here's the thing in paragraph 8 nothing can reach the soul from the ego and nothing from the soul can strengthen the ego or reduce the conflict within it the ego is a contradiction man's self and God's self are in opposition they are opposed in creation in will and in outcome they are fundamentally irreconcilable because the soul cannot perceive and the ego cannot know they are therefore not in communication and can never be in communication nevertheless <clears throat> the ego can learn because its maker can be misguided but cannot make the totally lifeless out of the life given the soul not be, need not be taught but the ego must in paragraph 9 the ultimate reason why learning is perceived as frightening is because learning does lead to relinquishment not destruction of the ego to the light of the soul in paragraph 10 teaching and learning are your greatest strengths now because you must change your mind and help others change theirs the dreamer who doubts the reality of his dream while he is dreaming is not really healing the level, level split you have dreamed of a separated ego and you have believed in a world which rests upon it this is very real to you and you cannot undo this by doing nothing and not changing and so 
in paragraph 11, if you are willing to renounce the role of guardians of your thought systems and open them to me, I will correct them very gently and lead you home. Hmm. Amen. And let me see about the time here. Yeah, the floor is open for a few minutes before the top of the hour. So thanks, everyone. This is Donna. From paragraph four this morning, I certainly have put myself up on the cross many, many times. And it came to me this morning when I read that, that I can, ex- I can change to accept Christhood and move towards sonship. And, and uh, that's glorious. The other thing that caught me right away was, Lori, what, Lori, what you read about life not being our business. And I did it like this. I am life and not my business. So thanks for that, Lori. I'm complete. Mm, thank you, Donna. I, I really love paragraph four, too. So, thank you for highlighting that. Jesus doesn't shy away from uh, dealing with some of our most cherished thoughts and ideas. Um, And in paragraph three, she addresses the issue of the cross. Um, I was watching a TV program about relics, religious relics, and it really struck me how uh, our focus is so much outside of us, outside of our minds, onto things um, uh, 
And the idea of the cross uh, in Christianity is so tied up uh, from my perspective with guilt. Uh, And it um, causes me uh, to focus on uh, all that is uh, wrong about myself, um, my sins, and uh, ultimately this idea that uh, people like me um, uh, took a innocent son of God and subjected him to uh, all manner of attack and and harm and ultimately crucified him uh, because he was good and um, I think I've suffered from the guilt uh, unconsciously that arises from that act. And Jesus here refers to that experience, the journey to the cross, as the last foolish journey for every mind. How liberating is that? All of those thoughts, all the guilt feelings that I have stem from the guilt feelings that I have about crucifying God's perfect son. And if I undo uh, that idea that I or people like me crucified God's perfect son and realize that um, because the son of God cannot die, cannot be killed, cannot be hurt in any way. The crucifixion did not occur. And if it didn't occur, obviously, then there's nothing to be guilty about. Now, is it possible that uh, a human body uh, that people call Jesus was beaten and uh, and abused and put on a cross and seemed to die. Yes, yes. But the truth is, what the resurrection demonstrates is that what we thought occurred did not occur. 
what we thought happened did not happen. Because that is impossible. It is impossible to kill the Holy Son of God. He was never a body. To those of us who believe in bodies or believed in bodies at that time, he appeared to be. But we can get beyond that belief and accept that that whole experience of the crucifixion was our last foolish journey. And we can now join Jesus' resurrection. In this paragraph, he says, human living has indeed been needlessly wasted in a repetition compulsion. Sounds like a psychological term to me. It reenacts the separation, the loss of power, the foolish journey of the ego in an attempt at reparation, reparation, and finally the crucifixion of the body or death. That, that's what I've been constantly reliving and seeing myself as either being the crucifier or the crucified. And that's what it means to cling to the old rugged cross. Um, a great section for me to uh, contemplate. I'm complete. Thank you, Harrison. That was just so complete. Yeah, that was great, Harrison. Thank you. Well, and you <clears throat> you said us perfectly at the top of the hour where Fran can lead us in our reflection today. And there is nothing my holiness cannot do. So we'll turn it over to you, Fran. So glad you're here. Oh, I'm so glad, too. Thank you. Hi, everybody. We are in the first part of the workbook. And we are on today, we are on Lesson 38. There is nothing my holiness cannot do. So I shall read some from the lesson. Your holiness reverses all the laws of the world. It is beyond every restriction of time, space, distance, and limits of any kind. Your holiness is totally unlimited in its power because it establishes you as the Son of God, at one with the mind of his Creator. Your holiness, then, can remove all pain, can end all sorrow, and can solve all problems. You are holy because all things he created are holy, and all things he created are holy because you are. In today's exercises, 
we will apply the power of your holiness to all problems, difficulties, or suffering in any form that you happen to think of in yourself or someone else. In the four longer practice periods, each preferably to last a full five minutes, repeat the idea for today, close your eyes, and then search your mind for any sense of loss or unhappiness of any kind as you see it. Use this form in applying the idea for today. In the situation involving blank in which I see myself, there is nothing that my holiness cannot do. In the situation involving blank in which blank sees himself, there is nothing my holiness cannot do. Introduce whatever variations appeal to you, but keep the exercises focused on the theme, quote, there is nothing my holiness cannot do. The purpose of today's exercises is to begin to instill in you a sense that you have dominion over all things because of what you are. In the frequent shorter applications, apply the idea in its original form unless a specific problem concerning you or someone else arises or comes to mind. In that event, use the more specific form of application. So we'll take a moment and reflect on this. Lesson 38, there is nothing my holiness cannot do. Your holiness reverses all the laws of the world. It is beyond every restriction of time, space, distance, and limits of any kind. Lesson 38. There is nothing my holiness cannot do. Amen. Amen. Oh, that was just beautiful, friend. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, friend. I love in paragraph two how he tells us that our holiness can remove all pain can end all sorrow, and can solve all problems. Wow. Is that amazing? And we are holy. We don't even have to work at it. 
We were created that way. Love it. I'm complete. Thank you, Fran. Good morning, it's Karen. Um, there's nothing my holiness cannot do. Uh, I woke up this morning with a lot of problems and a lot of egoic identification with the drama that I'm going through. Um, it's just like an endless stream of of false problems. And seriously false problems because every time I unwind one, it was just a mistake. But the unwinding process is really excruciating. And the fact that they keep happening is also excruciating. But in the context of what we read today, um, there's nothing my holiness cannot do. If the root of my problem is the authority problem, when I think it's up to me because I created myself to work this out and then I feel like I'm also subject to the world and I also feel the weakness, the lack of power, the victimization, all of those things in the world, um, the answer would be there's nothing my holiness cannot do because I did not create myself, God created me. God created me. The authority problem is that I'm confused about what I am, who I am, and who created me. Um, it seems like that one paragraph that says that um, the dreamer who doubts the reality of the dream while he's still dreaming is not really healing, the level split. You have dreamed of a separated ego and you have believed in a believed and I put that word in uh, bold, <laughs> bold font, believed in a world which rests upon it. This is very real to you. You cannot undo this by doing nothing and not changing. So I think my problem is my belief that I am victim to this world isn't really changing. You know, that's so hardwired that even though I'm saying my holiness yesterday when this whole thing was unfolding with Social Security, denying my benefits, which is so astronomically huge because I've been counting the days till it starts. And it's based on a total mistake in their paperwork because they say I haven't paid my health insurance and I have a premium due and blah, 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 but that isn't true. That's the false thing. It's, it's just a mistake. And the, the people on the other end of the phone say, yes, it's just a mistake. Problem is they don't know how to undo it. They're not the people in charge. And consequently, uh, it was like leaving it in an unresolved place. And, and who knows how long that will take to undo. <laughs> anyway, the point is... Um, I'm still feeling, feeling like there's a thing happening, even though I don't believe um, 
that I'm my ego. I know I'm not, I didn't create myself. I know God created me. But on some level, I still feel like I'm stuck in this dream and I can't wake up. Jesus says, if you are willing to renounce the role of the guardian of your thought system and open it to me, I will correct it very gently and lead you home. Um, Yesterday, as this thing was unfolding, I kept thinking, my holiness is blessing this person on the other end of the phone. And then the phone, after an hour of being on hold, gets disconnected, and then I have to call back. And my holiness blesses the world. You know, I'm thinking all of that, but meanwhile, my body, I'm I'm boiling inside. And I'm thinking, okay, God is burning up my ego right now. I'm watching this being burned up. I'm watching this this, you know, this falsehood being burned up as if I'm on fire, but Jesus wouldn't do it that way. Jesus is love. So there's some part that's all still screwed up. And uh, in the situation which I see myself, in the situation which I see myself, my holy, there's nothing my holiness cannot do. So I'm working with it. And I'm trying to take in what the reading was, that the root of all evil is that I think I created myself and I think I have to undo it. I'm complete. Thank you for letting me share. Well, that's the way to work a problem, Karen. That's just um, a beautiful illustration of process. Thank you very much for that. Yes. Wonderful. Thank you, Karen. Excellent. Thank you, Karen. Thank you, Karen. Hi, guys. I am. Thank you, Karen. I'm just. uh, The word foundation capitalized. What's the foundation of my thought system? And, um, you know, right right out from the start, I just, I seize and I hold dear to my heart. I can speak from the soul. If I'm speaking from the soul, my mind is in the service of the spirit. I'm, I'm, I'm genuinely devoting my mind in the service of the spirit. So I'm inspired. And all knowledge is of the spirit. What I don't, what Judy doesn't know is everything. And so I go to the Holy Spirit. I go, I, I put my mind in the service of the Holy Spirit and say, what's going on here? What is really going on here in truth? Please tell me. Because it looks like a major bleep show here. <laughs> and I don't like the way I feel watching all this unfold. And um, in the second paragraph where it says, I can speak from the soul or from the ego. Now, I got two, two voices in my head, and the ego always shrieks, shrieks of vain imaginings of a fearful script. I so identified with that from the very first time I read the Course. And I learned from studying and practicing the Course that I got two voices. I got a baloney grinder, ego thought system, baloney grinding problems, one after the other. As soon as one solves, another one comes up. 
and something is always a problem. And that's from the personal, um, selfish, self-centered point of view. I want it my way. And if the world was okay, I would be okay. Now, I got the other true foundation of my thought system. You know, the ego comes from the, I'm separate from everybody and everything. I'm on my own. I can't depend on anybody but my own thinking. And, oh, my God, (laughs) I'm full of fear. And, yes, it's a very fearful state of mind to be in because it's simply not true. And I do this to myself. Um, And the way that it speaks of all the different human symptoms at the level of the body. I believe I'm a body. I'm, I'm depending on my own magical thinking in order to keep me safe and protected. If I get all my ducks in a row and all is right with everything outside of me, the world's okay, I'll be okay. And that's backward and upside down. And the Course is teaching me this. So what's the foundation? Um, You know, the foundation, my true foundation is that I was created in the qualities and likeness image of God. I'm soul in a state of grace forever. Be still and know. I am your father. You're perfectly protected. You're perfectly safe. You cannot die. You cannot be hurt. You, nobody can touch you. You're, you're untouchable. No one can touch you or hurt you in any way, shape, or form. Ways and shapes and form are deceiving because we believe we are ways and shapes and forms. That's the foundation. The confusion and the, the profound confusion for trying to mix the two completely opposite thought systems. One, one's based in, in um, separate, I'm alone, I'm um, p- the potential for someone to hurt me and kill me and fear. And, and the other foundation is I'm, I'm love itself and everything and everything and everything and everything. It's a gift of God, of God, God himself to me. There's nothing that God denies me or deprives me of because he's given me himself. I am whole and complete, one with the universe, universes of universes. Changeless, there's nothing I can lose because I am everything, I have everything. Happiness, happiness, is, happiness is a given. I can't be unhappy because there's nothing I am de- denied or deprived of. See how irreconcilable these two thought systems are. See how the ego is, is the problem maker, the, the baloney grinder, from a position of fear, writing a separate fearful script. And, and the journey to love, that love is always present. The presence of love, the awareness of love, is always with me. The presence of complete happiness and fulfillment and abundance is always with me if I choose to see it that way. If I see everything as a gift and nothing, I don't reject a single thing because that's what the ego does. It rejects something and says, this doesn't belong here. 
this cannot be allowed because that's my point of view. And what do I teach? I teach what I am. I teach what I have. My being, my being peace, my being happiness. You know, the lesson, I love the way Harrison, you spoke of the, the um, crucifixion in the last foolish journey. It's like only my thoughts can crucify me. It's only my own thinking that disturbs my own peace. It doesn't get any more intimate than that. I can't separate myself from my thoughts and then point fingers outside of myself. As a, the effect of what, what the world is in effect in is not the cause of me. God is my cause. And there's no second to him. I am not second to God. I'm an, an, an extension of his love, the awareness of love's presence. Um, to think with Christ, you know, the, um, this is just foundational. And we got to pull out the fear by the root instead of doing endless analysis of all its particular forms because it starts right at the root, the foundation of who am I? Who is the I that is in this world? It is the be still and know I am. That's who I am. Wherever I go, heaven goes with me. Or not. <laughs> we can make, the, what does the text say, the e, that, that, that the ego makes hell of heaven? It redefines reality for us. Not for us. We do it. Choose again. Happiness is a real discipline. It's a good one. I'm complete. Thank you, Judy. That was thank very you, Judy. Thank, thank you, thank you, Judy. Thanks, Judy. This is Donna. <clears throat> this chapter, I mean, the paragraph four, <clears throat> I'm still building on that. 
So, as I was walking by the Sea of Tiberus yesterday, <laughs> I'm paraphrasing, you know, what did Jesus do after he walked out of the tomb? He met these people on the road, and then he ended up uh, by the Sea of Tiberus. So that means the resurrection has happened, and that's, that's how I'm seeing myself, hopefully, henceforth uh, and forevermore. In this paragraph seven, as I was on, my, on the road to Tiberus yesterday, <clears throat> I, a neighbor stopped me and um, in her car. <laughs> it's very cold here. And uh, so, you know, I turned around, I said hi, and she stayed. So, oh, the, and what drew her attention, which I always forget, Earlier in January, I had my hair um, clipped down as close as a beautician could clip it without literally shaving it, and I had been thinking about doing that for a month. I probably told this story, but in um, October 2012, I was told I would be dead by December, Christmas 2012, uh, by one doctor and an ENT, and I was sent to a thoracic surgeon. <clears throat> and I can only pursue it. Per, and it's interesting because surgeons can be, not have that size of manners. And this guy did not have one. So my memory of this wonderful individual is that. And I find that amusing now. So apparently he, he decided, no, <laughs> I'm not going that way. And I ended up with an oncologist. So I ended up, uh, so that was 2022, which was in this December, 10, 10 years ago. So in January, I began chemotherapy in 2013, and I thought, you know, I'm going to honor that time, and I'm going to rejoice for the 10 years of life I've had, which are so magnificent, never felt healthier in my life. So that's why she stopped <clears throat> and wanted to know, you know, people are, are very curious, and it's an opportunity for me. Uh, when people uh, even look at me, then I tell them why I've shaved my head, even though it's kind of a hairdo now also. But anyway, <clears throat> so that encounter came to me yesterday. Uh, paragraph 7, a good teacher clarifies his own ideas and strengthens them by teaching them. Te- teacher and pupil are alike in the learning process. They are in the same order of learning. Unless they share their lessons, they will lack conviction. And that's what happened yesterday uh, with this, with this, um, with a neighbor of mine. She's a Christian. She was even married and divorced from a pastor. But so we have a little different view on things. But I speak from what I'm living: course of miracles, course of love and Dr. Horace works. <clears throat> so anything I open my mouth is, it's, <laughs> it's a paraphrase of something I just read. But we began to chat, began to chat, and she was telling me uh, about, you know, I don't know, her family is very hostile toward her. And uh, she was very concerned about that. And she, she was looking the way looking through it the way she looks through it. And it just came to me to tell her of my own story. And I said, you know, my baby brother has told my sister, I love Donna, but I don't like her. And just by me being able to share that 
with, with, the, with my neighbor, was able to diffuse all her judgment of them and all their seemingly judgment of her. And we talked probably for about 40 minutes. <clears throat> and it's interesting because I was on a way to a guitar practice. But anyway, but it's so extraordinary how, how everything, like, we never do anything for the reason we think we're doing it. I don't know if that's from the Course or Dr. Horror. And I was debating about getting my hair cut. You know, I mean, really. Uh, but it's been a wonderful witnessing tool because it, it lets people be kind. First of all, people are, smile very big and are very kind and want to know how you are because they are under the impression that I'm going through the first part of having that haircut. And then I'm able to witness. I'm able to, to, to have them rejoice with me. And it also, you know, I'm sure everyone has been touched by this one way or another, and it lets them look at it a different way. But it's so fabulous to be on the road, not walking to the cross, but walking away from it and having opportunities to share. I've lived here almost three years, and, and this individual said, hey, let's get together for lunch. So it's an open door. I told her about the readings I do every day. Uh, I'm going to one with Dr. Hora now on, on Monday also. So it's an opportunity that maybe some of these individuals will show up at our little reading here. I'm so grateful for everything, and I really do love Jesus today. I'm complete. Oh, what a beautiful example of sharing your lessons. Thank you, Donna. This is Donna. I have one more share that I think, well, I just realized how important these teachings are. I have someone I'm so close to and someone whose consciousness I give a, a lot of credit for Jesus being able to work his miracles through during that period of time. There's another individual as well. But now this individual that I'm speaking of now I started picking up like a cloud around. I don't know, maybe I already told this. I don't know where I told this. A kind of a cloud around my relationship. Let's put that for my relationship with that individual. And I, it's been there like for about six weeks. And her, 
change my thing, what, the things we do and so forth. And I'm thinking, oh, it's the, the thought is trying to come in. Oh, she's upset with me about something. Oh, she doesn't like me anymore. Oh, uh, you know, maybe, it's, maybe this is finished for me because me, I'm starting now to, comp- to, to personalize this cloud that's hovering around me and this individual. So comes to find out the last time I saw her, her she shared with me that she has uh, someone in her family that is going through something extraordinarily serious. And uh, the fact that she shared that was, was, oddly enough, a relief because I understood, okay, this is the whole, has been the Holy Spirit uh, trying to get me aboard, on board to, to uh, be of one mind with Christ, which apparently I was being double-minded during this time, <clears throat> which shows my lack of my own self-worth. Uh, but anyway, um, now what? You know, it's another reason why I, the other purpose used for my shaving my head. I mean, it's so marvelous now and that this individual could come to me finally and share this and not to many others because she was with me through my journey. So we just never know when we get a vibe about someone uh, you know, to keep it clear in our head. So I, I, I've learned a big lesson with this one, which I've gotten better with anyway, but this one was a biggie. I'm complete. Oh, thank you, Donna. Yeah, thank you, Donna. That's excellent mind-watching. Mm-hmm. That is so true. Thank you, Donna. Good morning, everyone. This is Lori. I remember coming upon these lessons 36 through 40 and that sense of acute discomfort with all of the lessons that begin with my holiness. And um, and that sense that I can't truly, honestly say that. Um, and, and that's um, that's a really good starting point for the discussion that he begins here in the introduction in Right Teaching and Right Learning. And, um, and it was so beautiful, Donna, the way you illustrated Um, sharing of a lesson that resulted in your own liberation as well as as your neighbors. Um, He lays it out really clearly, uh, the thought system of the ego based on separation 
and that um, that uneasy uh, sense of loneliness and um, inadequacy and um, an emptiness that is the result of the system and contrast it perfectly with the thought system of truth or what it's like to experience life as a soul perfect in every way complete abundant and whole and um, in and uh, here's how I want to start this before I ever um, before I ever came upon the holy instant or relief um, from my lonely way of seeing the world I had a dream and it was one of those dreams that you know um, while you're dreaming it there's a sense that you're watching the dream a certain feeling of being awake while the dream is happening and you're watching it a sense of the importance of the dream it was like that it was so vivid that um, when I woke up I wrote or I drew it and it was filled with images so I drew it in my journal and I referred back to it many times while I was trying to trying to wake up and understand what the universe was trying to tell me but anyway here's the dream it was a beautiful house with multiple levels and many many windows and it sat on a low hill behind or in front of a really large hill that went on forever and at the bottom of the hill with this little house there was a stream that seemed to divide the place where the little house stood on the little hill from the giant hill behind where everything was so beautiful and across this little stream was a bridge well anyway in the dream I was I was with a flashlight and I was going all over this house up and down all the floors looking with my flashlight even though the house had many many windows it was as if in the house I couldn't see and I needed a flashlight and when I drew the image of the dream I had an intense sense of uh, desire for everything that the greater hill represented that I couldn't find in my little house and um, and I looked back to that dream many times as a reference point or a frame if you will of understanding what I think I'm about and what I'm really about and it was probably two or three years after the dream that I'm still thinking about the little bridge across the little river <laughs> and wondering um, you know dare I leave my house dare I leave my house to see about this little bridge across this little river and that's what um, paragraph four is saying to me um, it's not as though Holy Spirit or Christ mind is going to come down from the hill and correct me and tell me I'm wrong in the way I see things it it doesn't work that way 
And it was a long time before I understood that this life um, is about leaving the little house <clears throat> and all of ways of looking and seeing and understanding that form a tiny little reference frame around understanding that it is possible although perhaps uncomfortable to cross that little bridge because it represents the unknown to the one who spent all of life looking in the house with the flashlight um, and it also represents something else I think that's really important he says this frame of reference can only be given up by an act of human will it's like if I want to understand a larger frame of reference I need to take a step outside the little house and then another step and another step and every step I take I won't know I will not know what comes next but that's okay because that's the plan the Son of God the Holy Son of God cannot be limited that's a fact as is it a fact that the Holy Son of God is as he was created unchangeable the changeless forever at one with the mind of God and holy in God's image and likeness of like quality to God sharing every attribute with the Father I cannot know that until I have different experiences and that's why Donna your description of how you shared with your neighbor is so valuable and that's why he says right teaching and right learning are your great needs right now I need different experiences I must have different experiences I I can't um, read a truth or be told the truth by an outside source and then apply that truth like a band-aid to my mind I need a framework of truth and enough uh, will to be willing to take the step outside my little house and find out that life is not afraid the ego will be afraid the ego will be it cannot not be afraid because it's the idea of fear it's the idea of limitation it's the idea of lack it's the idea of use um, everything to support this tiny frame of reference cannot be otherwise but the great good news is because of the resurrection because elder brother has taken these steps already because he's shown us that it is divine to be human and that to be human is to be divine he's shown us that that we can take those tiny fearful steps outside and realize that every illusion I give up every wrong idea I expose to the light every mistaken perception I ask to be clarified every wrong belief or erroneous um, thing that hurt me betrayed me uh, made me fearful of life everything I expose with his light will show me that oh when I release this 
this happens. Oh, when I release this, this happens. Those sequential steps of forgiveness that show me everything I feared was a consequence of a wrong idea I had. And as I sequentially give up those wrong ideas, different experiences come to me and show me that yes indeed the Son of God is holy, that the light and the all in all that I saw on that great vast hill behind my little house is in me and part of me and I could never be separated from. The only way out of the ego thought system is through right teaching and right learning and because Elder Brother has taken this journey for us already and shown us that there is no death, there is no ego to protect, there's no body to defend, there's no idea that can't be corrected by truth, we learn, I learn, successfully, sequentially, over and over and over, that every little step I take forward into the unknowing brings me more light, more understanding, more peace, more joy and sharing, more love, love in my awareness that I wasn't, I, I couldn't find in my own little house with all my little flashlight. It was always there. And as I forget the lesson I learned with the ego as a guide, I remember the truth of the soul that's crossing that little bridge every step I take following Christ's mind or Holy Spirit shows me more experientially so that I learn to give up illusions I take these illusions these mistaken ideas and expose them to the light of Holy Spirit Christ's mind and I'm shown that everything I thought I wanted um, was as illusory as dust and everything I really wanted was beneath this layer of fear that I've sequentially given up to Christ's mind. It's like, um, <clears throat> for me, in understanding in that dream was entering into a dialogue with Christ's mind. I don't understand what this is. Please show me. I don't know what to do. Help me. Um, he says, humility is a lesson for the ego, not for the soul. Later on, we're told the meek inherit, inherit the kingdom because their egos are humble. It's a lesson that's exiting from the little tiny house to the all in all is a lesson in bringing illusion to truth. And uh, as I do that, I'm given different experiences of light um, that was behind my mistaken idea. And, um, And eventually I learned that bringing illusion to truth wasn't painful, but was joyful. Um, and we have a guide, and 
um, the more I trust, the more I trust Holy Spirit and Christ's mind to correct me, uh, the happier I am. Anyway, um, I love this section, mostly because um, different experiences propel me um, to ask for what is my true will and find out that my true will brings me only joy. I'm complete. Wow. Thank you so much. That was great. Thank you so much. Thank you for sharing. Thank you, everyone, for sharing your experience. You know, no one goes home alone. <laughs> That's the beautiful thing about this. And every soul completes us, even the ones we're afraid of. <laughs> uh, anyway, thank you, guys. Thank you. Let's see. How much time do we have left? Oh, there's still time. Who haven't we heard from here this morning? Well, any further shares from anyone? Just a quickie um, about the irreconcilableness of the two thought systems. And thank you, Lori, for your lovely share that um, and, and, um, Donna's share, too, the um, irreconcilable nature of them um, must be brought to our awareness that darkness, the darkness um, of the ego cannot stand the light when the light shines on it. Um, How how, um, the ignorance of the ego, which does not know who and what I am, cannot the truth of the knowledge of what I am and that we all know the truth the truth is always apparent and that the truth always corrects because I have this Holy Spirit to judge everything and anything for me anything and everything that would um, cause me fear or um, threatens to hurt me or makes me feel afraid when I and feeling those kinds of feelings, I must become become aware of them as the voice of the ego and bring the voice of the ignorance of the ego, not knowing who I and what I am, to the light of the Holy Spirit who will judge it for God for me and shine the light on the darkness and shine the truth of the knowledge that I know what, and how God created me and who and what I am. 
and um, there is no ignorance of who and what I am when I use the Holy Spirit to guide me and when I identify myself with Christ as, as the Course teaches us, that we're spirit purely in the mind of God, a thought, everything's a thought in the mind of God. And that's enough. Thank you. I'm complete. <clears throat> Thank you, Judy. Thank you, Judy. Good morning, this is Pat. And I just wanted to share a little incident this morning as I was half awake. And it was though this happy male spirit was not laying with me, but just above me a little bit, looking at kind of looking at something that was joyful. And he said something to me, I don't remember what it was, but it made me laugh and I turned around and I poked at him and um, he disappeared and then physically what happened was I had the heating pad on my in, on top of my bed frame and it just fell on me it's like what the heck it was like just a playful moment and it made me realize that uh, I do take things too serious and it's just like, wake up, go play. <laughs> I, uh, anyway, I, I don't know that it went with the lesson, but it was my experience for the morning. I share my little bit of joy. Thank you for being there. <clears throat> oh, thank you, Pat. Thank you for sharing your joy. That was beautiful. Well, <clears throat> I'm going to close with this idea from Chapter 10 in God and the Ego and the section called Experience and Perception. <clears throat> it, seems, um, it seems really significant to say um, something I shared with a brother yesterday that was very meaningful and it lit up when I shared it with him that um, the first half of life seems to be about making a container to hold my ideas of myself. The second half of life is about emptying that container of my own ideas so it can be filled with truth. And, um, and in that spirit, and in the spirit that agrees with no no force except your own will is worthy enough to guide you. He says this in section experience and perception. Would you join in the resurrection or the crucifixion? Would you condemn your brothers or free them? Would you transcend your prison and ascend to the Father? For these questions are all the same and answered together.
course is perfectly clear, you do not see it clearly because you are interpreting against it and therefore do not believe it. And if belief determines perception, you do not perceive what it means and therefore do not accept it. Yet, different experiences lead to different beliefs and with them, different perceptions. For perceptions are learned with belief and experience teaches. I am leading you to a new kind of experience which you will become less and less willing to deny. Learning of Christ is easy for to perceive with him involves no strain at all. His perceptions are your natural awareness and it is only distortions which you introduce that tire you. Let the Christ in you interpret for you. And do not try to limit what you see by narrow little beliefs which are unworthy of God's Son. For until Christ comes into his own, excuse me, for until Christ comes into his own, he will see himself as fatherless. I am your resurrection and your life. You live in me because you live in God. And everyone lives in you as you live in everyone. Can you then perceive unworthiness in a brother and not perceive it in yourself? And can you perceive it in yourself and not perceive it in God? Believe in the resurrection because it has been accomplished. And it has been accomplished in you. This is as true now as it will ever be. For the resurrection is the will of God which knows no time and no exceptions. But make no exceptions for yourself. Make no exceptions for yourself or you will not perceive what has been accomplished for you. For we ascend unto the Father together as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be. For such is the nature of God's Son as his Father created him. Isn't that just beautiful? Wow. So, anyway. Thank you for that. Thank you, everyone. Thank you for a beautiful call and for sharing of yourselves so generously. I'm very grateful. <laughs>